All right, BradCooney.com is absolutely honored to have in the legendary front man of Cinderella, Mr. Tom Kiefer. Thanks for joining us, man. How you doing, my friend? Doing real good, man. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Good, man. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy guy. Um, let's get right into this, man. you got a great new solo record out, uh, The Way Life Goes. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that. How's, how's the record going for you so far? Uh, man, we've just been having a ball this year, being out on the road, supporting it. And uh, you know, the response so far has been really great. And we plan on touring the better part of next year. Uh, as well behind the record and uh, we will be uh, out there out and about are you happy with the the success of the record thus far it's a little bit different these days with iTunes and back when I was you know back in the 80s and 90s when I was going to y'all shows and poison shows and um, it was record sales were different it was record stores now it's like iTunes um, how do you how do you track that is, 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 is the record going well for you um, yeah, yeah. So as, as far as I know, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's out everywhere. You know, you can get it. There's actually available in stores and um, online at all the you know the digital outlets. So um, yeah, I mean, it's out there and it's it's been doing well. And uh, you know, it's it, it's funny. You know, you, you mentioned the um, digital versus stores. You know, mm. it, it seems like there's a towards physical product thing. I mean, I, I've actually done in stores on this tour where we've, you know, gone and, you know, done in-store signings and people have real CDs and even vinyl, you know, the mm-hmm. record's available on vinyl. So um, there's a little bit of a trend back towards that. I mean, I still think the majority, I don't know the stats exactly, but I do think the majority of stuff is still digital download. But it's nice to see people still, mm. you know, liking getting the actual physical product. So I, I personally miss that. Because when I used to buy a record, there was like a relationship you had with it, man. You, you got you got the vinyl, you got like a, the lyrics. A lot of times the musicians would put really cool pictures in there, or there's fan, you know, the the, the uh, fan club stuff. I mean, I, I miss that. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, a lot of the digital, you know, like on iTunes, you know, you don't get any credits or lyrics yeah. or anything. You know, it, um, it's that that's kind of weird to me, but. Um, yeah, I think the physical product is cool and something that people connect to, you know. I agree. I agree. All right, let's talk about Solid Ground, the the, the, the single. Um, man, I was blown away by this song, Tom. I mean, it, it was just like, especially your, your scream right out of the gate. Um, it was just like, wow, this this is what I've been waiting for. Talk a little bit about, about how the song Solid Ground came about. Well, I wrote that with my wife, Savannah, who also wrote a lot of other songs on the record with me and co-produced the record with Chuck and I. And uh, that that was, you know, I always say songs usually, for me, there's no in-between. There's songs that just happen like, you know, in, in 20 minutes or the ones that take, you know, a lot longer, you know, where you got, they really have to kind of simmer for a while and you get away from them sometimes. But Solid Ground was one of those ones that just really fell out, you know, like right in the moment. Uh, Saran and I were sitting around in the living room one night. I remember it like it was yesterday with a couple of guitars and I had the kind of the semblance of a chorus idea rattling around in my head and I played it for her and the next thing I know we, we just wrote, you know, a, a song. So, and it was, you know, finished that night. Done. Wow! Can, can you tell Tom you've wrote you you got you've been involved and wrote so many hit songs? It's crazy. Can you can a musician tell um, 
that you know, yeah, this this, this thing could really be a hit. Is there like is there a feel you get? Um, you know, I don't think of it in terms of hits. I just think of it in terms of whether I like it or not. Mm. And and that's always been my filtration process. You know, it's um, I've never used like voice memos or recorders or anything. You know, like. I know a lot of people are driving around and they get an idea in their head and they got to record it, you know, immediately. Um, I've never done that because I, I think that if you forget it in two hours, then maybe it wasn't memorable. Yeah, good point. So, so I, I, I use that as a filtration process my entire career, um, and it, you know, at the end of the day, the ones that you remember and you write them and you record them, um, you know, it's to me it's just about what you know, making music that you like, and hopefully other people will like it too. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: um, What do you like? What do you like best? Do you like the the creation of a song, the final product of the song, or delivering the song to your fans? Uh, you mean live? Right. Definitely live. Um, you know the the creation process is, is great, and and I love it. You know, it, and it's the necessary evil it, but it's torturous sometimes you know you you get that idea in your head and you start to hear it immediately you know what you want it to sound like what you want the guitar parts to be the drums and the, the mix you know I just start to hear it and sometimes that's a you know a little bit of a, a push pull or struggle in the studio to, to find that and have that actually come out of those speakers that are sitting on top of the board and um, so it Hate relationship that creation process. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of artists and writers and musicians would 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 say the same thing. So for me, um, you know, the thing that I just truly love that just really feels like the moment, and you know, it's just is it's live because there's there's no do overs. It is what it is. You get up there and you're sharing the music with people, and they're singing along, and it's just you know, it's just you're in the moment. And that, that's my favorite. Not that I don't like the creation process, but the creation process is a little more torturous for me. Right, right. You know, I talked to Brad Arnold, the lead singer of Three Doors Down, um, not too long ago about live performances and if you ever got nervous still because, of, you know, of course when you're first coming up as a band, you play in the bar scenes and the club scenes, and then, you know, if you're fortunate enough to get signed to a major record, you go on tour and all of a sudden you go from clubs and, and bars to stadiums and arenas what about you um you you play the biggest venues in the world butterflies is, is it crazy to say that you still get nervous or no um honestly i never really got nervous and to me the more people the less nervous i get you know it's a lot harder to sit in a room for three people with an acoustic guitar and play a song for them than to go out on mm-hmm. festival stage where there's a hundred thousand people there's just it, that's has always felt easier to me. Brad Arnold said the same thing. He, Brad Arnold said the same thing you just said. Yeah, yeah. It's much more nerve-wracking to be, you know, just with a couple of people. But, um, no, you know, I, I, there was a period in my career, actually a number of years, where I did get nervous after I'd been diagnosed with all the voice problems. And, yeah. You know, for uh, there were many tours where... As the intro tape was rolling and I was walking up on stage, I literally didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. Oh, man. So that, you know, that really messed with my confidence. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a rough road. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. been well documented. So I won't, you know, long story, I won't go too far into it. But, yeah. you know, that, 
most nerve-wracking. You know, the good news is that the partial paralysis that you did have in, in your, in your, I believe it was your left vocal cord, was was able, you fixed it through therapy and things like that, and you're moving forward, so that's got to feel good. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's it, it's not really fixed, but you, you I've learned how to get around it, I guess is uh. the best way to put it, you know, and, and it requires daily maintenance, and which I'm happy to do because, you know, it's, I'm, I'm able to, I thank God that I'm able to still do what I love to do, and I know that the, the darkness that I felt the years where I had no voice at all, and I'm just grateful that, you know, I was eventually able to, uh, was able to find um, the right people to help me and teach me. It's not an exact science, because usually if you get that, you just don't sing again. So. Right, right. Let me let me ask you one quick thing on that. Was was the fact that you that you're a rock and roll singer did that contribute to it or would you was it a genetic thing that you were that anybody can get um, neither it has nothing to do with singing style or genetics it's actually uh, paralysis can be caused by general anesthesia from mm. these are some of the ways that I know anyway sometimes general anesthesia which that wasn't the case with me um, another way is a tumor that's pressing on the nerve they rolled that out and then another way which they attributed mine to is from a bad flu or cold virus that oh. settles in the nerve and it just degenerates it. And then the signal from the brain to the muscle that controls that vocal cord is just screwed. So. Interesting. All right, so now you, so, so you, you stepped away from Cinderella for the time being anyway. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that hope you guys do reunite. Um, was it a little bit strange for you to, um, to, to go out on tour and write music with, with, some, new, with some new folks? to find these guys are these musicians that you've known over the years or were they audition type guys I mean how, how did the new band come about well I thought it was going to take forever you know and that's one of the things that I feared and made me nervous um, you know I used session musicians on the record over the 10 years that we made it mm -hmm. and I, I used the same guys I kept bringing them back because they were so great the rhythm section and I used Michael Rhodes and, and uh, Greg Morrow on the drums and right. Michael was the bass player and Tony Harrell on keyboards you know we cut this kind of piecemeal a couple tracks at a time and they're like the best of the best so um, the, the playing on the record speaks for itself and you know then you start thinking about okay I gotta pull this off live and there's tons of vocals and five part harmonies and it's like how am I gonna do this <laughs> so um, the guitar player that I have live Tony Higby I've known for a long time and um, they are just talking about it one day and, and he knew what I was you know kind of you know, getting into here, I was telling him about the record, and he said to me, he said, you know, uh, if you need help putting together a band, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to help. 
Yeah, and I kind of went in one ear and out the other, and I, and I was at home one day stressing about it, and I remembered what he said, and I, I I went over and I talked to him, and I was like, dude, were you serious about that? And he said, oh, yeah, he said, I know lots of cats, and, you know. So uh, long story short, he he called a couple people that he knew, um, uh, drummer and bass player, and we got to, together over at his place one night, and it was just magic, the first guys that came in the room. So you serious. The first the first go-around, huh? Uh, I, I did a great uh, Billy Mercer on, on bass and yeah. Paul Simmons on the drums. And uh, and then I brought in uh, Paul Taylor had just started touring, um, uh, playing keyboards with Cinderella last year. And I, I brought him in after we found the Tony found the rhythm section and all, and we were all happy with that. And I said, we should bring Paul in for the keys. And it was just like, bam, and that's the band. So, how good did that feel? Will that magic happen for you? It felt really great. And then when we got into pre-production back in January and really started rehearsing, um, you know, down at the soundstage here um, for the tour, it was just you know every night it was just like wow, this is you know amazing. I mean, not only were they you know playing the new stuff great, but also you know I do a lot of the Cinderella favorites in the show too, and they were playing those great, and they all sing, so it's very cool. And now, uh, you know, Savannah also has been torn with us because there's uh, some songs that she and I do acoustic together. Mm. And uh, the band's been kind of growing because in the last few gigs we've done where we've gone out, um, we uh, have added uh, another background singer, uh, Rizzy Myers, who is a, uh, a uh, great, really great singer from here in Nashville. And, uh, you know, on a lot of those tunes like Cold Day in Hell and Shelter Me, and we also do the Joe Cocker help from my friends yeah. uh, Savannah and Rizzy both back there doing those uh, big gospel backgrounds so isn't it amazing what a, what a good becomes, gospel at one point it becomes an, an eight piece band <laughs> <laughs> it's like an orchestra out there yeah it's pretty it's pretty kick ass man it's great isn't it amazing how a really good female gospel singer can can change a song well you know that's the spiritual right to me you know I Absolutely. All right, so um, what about a Cinderella reunion? People would kill me if I didn't ask you that question. Um, something something that you think will happen down the road? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll tour again, you know, and it's, you know, that's something that we love to do, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's something we've done for years, and it's, yeah. you know, we just, we had toured so hard between the years of 2010, 11, and 12, um, at the end of last year, we decided to take a, a break. It was it was well needed, and um, that you know was a perfect window of opportunity. I had just signed the deal with Merivy for this record, and uh, mm. it's time to get going on this. So, yep, another page. Now you know what? I, I have a friend of mine. His name's Pete Evick. I'm not sure if you know Pete or not. He plays guitar for Brett Michaels, the Brett Michaels band. Yeah, um, I believe I've met him. Yeah. yeah, Pete's Pete's a real good guy, and, and whenever the band comes in my area, um, I go down there and see him. And one of the things I noticed about going to the Brett Michael shows is the generation, like this, the, it's like you see 18, 19 year olds, then you see people like me in in our late 40s, early 50s. So when you play your shows, do you see that also? Do you see because you've been around so long? Do you see that generation gap? That that that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, we start. That's something that actually we started seeing on the Cinderella tours. I would say going back maybe uh, 2005, hmm. 2006. 
we did the 20-year anniversary with Poison in 2006, and we saw a lot of it on that tour. And the last three years that we've been out, yeah, tons of that, like yeah. two, and, two and three generations in some cases. Yeah. Um, and I definitely have seen that on the solo tour. It may, you know, it makes, it makes me feel good. I, I, I'll give you an example. I was at a mall um, last year, and I saw a kid. He's probably about 14 years old. And he had an Iron Maiden shirt on. And I, I couldn't resist. I walked up to him. I was like, what do you know about Iron Maiden? And the kid started breaking out, like, Bruce Dickinson and, 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 and you know, some of the songs that he wrote. And, and then the singer previous to Bruce Dickinson, he was talking about him. And I was like, wow, this kid is pretty versed. It's pretty cool, like a 14-year-old, you know, still Iron Maiden fans out there at 14. Well, I think if it's good and it touches people, it's good, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's just, you know, I, I, I think that that's, normal for for music to get passed on to generations you know if it's something that's that's good and stands the test of time right um i, I love when that happens we, we recently back in september had the opportunity to do some shows with hailstorm oh wow and uh we did a, a two with them up in the northeast and uh, they, there was a, a very cool generation thing that kind of went on there you know i think there's some common fans between Hellstorm and, and say that the, you know the Cinderella fans are, are my fans so yep. it was uh, you know it was interesting reading a lot of the comments after the show online you know um, people saying that they really love seeing those two generations of uh, music coming together and that those were really fun shows to do so that's absolutely cool man still humbling for you to have fans want to come up and, and take pictures I mean I would think that's got to be a very humbling experience ask you this tom when 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 you were growing up like early days did, did you ever in a million years think that you would become a legend in rock music well i don't i don't call myself a legend well it's because you're a humble guy but a lot of other people do <laughs> i don't uh, i don't uh, refer to myself that way well you don't because you're a humble guy but trust me there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the rock music that the cinderella's at legendary status i mean well so long do you remember where you were the first time you heard your music on the radio
Wow. And we were on our way to get on the plane for our first tour. What, what, what went through your mind when you heard that? Pardon me? What, what, was, what went through your mind? I mean, how'd that make you feel? Did you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it always kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever seen that Tom Hanks movie, uh, That Thing You Do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they first hear it on the radio, right. all running down the street screaming, you know, I mean, that's the feeling you get, you know. Um, and, and honestly, it's still it's still really a, a kick to hear your music on the radio. You know, when this, when this new record came out, the solo record, um, hearing that, the, the new song Solid Ground and the Flower Song and Cold Day, um, on the radio is just you know it's, it's still a very good feeling man back to solid ground that song is epic man you know where i was you know, you know let me ask you it's not even a question i'm gonna tell you something here's a question guess guess where i bought the cassette tape um night songs guess where i was and where i bought that song you you, you won't guess in a million years I bought that cassette tape on my ship store. We had a little store on board ship in the U.S. Navy. I was on board the USS Truett, and we had a little ship store in there. And I bought y'all's cassette tape. Um, we were somewhere over in the Mediterranean somewhere. And that's where I bought your tape. They sold the Cinderella cassette. You had about five of them in there. Uh, that's cool, man. Uh, yep. That's very cool. Yeah, cassettes, man. I, I guess nobody really rocks those anymore, you know? <laughs> that was, at some point, that was, I, I remember um, st statistic, hearing the statistics when we were, you know, we'd spend all that time making a record, and I remember, I think it was like at the end of Long Cold Winter, someone at the label told me, um, you know, that it was still like 80% of people at that point still bought it on cassette. You know, which obviously the sound quality is not as good as a CD. So right. when you hear that, you go, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, interesting. But now, when you look back at your career, um, what, what's the highlight? What, what is the highlight of your career, of your musical career? All of it. I mean, it's really hard to point to one thing. Um, you know, it's just it's just amazing that I get to do it. That's good stuff, man. And, you know, the biggest highlight is always you know, the, the, the fans, you know. I mean, playing live and, and just walking out on the stage and, and having that moment with the fans is, is always a highlight for me every time I do it. You sound like you're really, really still loving what you do, um, and that's a good news for your fans. I mean, do you see a lot, just a lot of years, as long as your health keeps going, that you'll, you'll keep doing this thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's great, man. All right, so before I let you go, because I know you're a busy guy, man, tell the fans out there um, where they can where they can pick up the uh, the record. Um, give some websites, the, your Twitter. Talk talk to the fans out there a little bit. How, how can they learn some well, more? The record's available everywhere. I mean, it's in a it's in a bunch of stores, and uh, it's you know all the digital online sites. It's available. Um, it's also available on vinyl, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Um, and yeah, you know, to keep up with the with the what's going on, you know, there's a Facebook, uh, Tom Kiefer official, and and also I have a Twitter, that uh, Tom Kiefer Music, which uh, you know there's always tons of info and, and cool stuff on on both those sites. So uh, if you want to keep up with what's going on, cool. Do you, do you interact with your fans on Twitter? Yes, I do. I, I you know I'm very very new to social media. My label got me into it last fall. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been on it about a year now, and I've learned the ropes. So I'm getting better and you know, <laughs> on my way around and which buttons to push and all. But I, 
I, uh, you know, I was kind of reluctant at first just because it's the fear of the unknown because I'd never had a Facebook or a Twitter or any of that stuff prior to a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really love it. it it's uh, and more and more. Um, it's a creative outlet, you know, to, to um, and, and an outlet to be able to speak directly with the fans or hear what the fans have to say. So it's, it's very cool. It's certainly something that I didn't have the privilege of having because I would have loved to have been able to interact with Paul Stanley and Ace Freely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I really appreciate you doing this interview. Oh, well, great talking to you too, man.